It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming to you on Monday, October 29th from Corner of the Galaxy Studios. Yeah, after the LA Galaxy's 3-2 loss to the Houston Dynamo, which of course eliminates them from uh, the possibility of postseason contention. A uh, tough loss to take for the LA Galaxy. We're of course going to get into that, uh, talk about that game, the repercussions from that game, a whole bunch of other stuff that sort of runs down and through the threads of the LA Galaxy's 34-game season now being over uh, with no playoffs for the second year in a row to help me of course do that is uh is mr kevin baxter the panda himself uh kevin welcome back to the us of a again i hope I, I trust everything is fine well welcome for you welcome to winter um <laughs> don't you fly south now i was you would you would expect that uh this is about a, i'm in southern california how much further south can i get yeah, well, this is the MLS winter. It's uh, it, it's actually still fall for everybody else, but for for the Galaxy, um, it, they're not one of the twelve teams going to the playoffs. So for the Galaxy, it's winter again. The as you mentioned, second consecutive season they missed the playoffs. That is uh, hasn't happened in a decade, and it's only happened three times. This is the third time in franchise history um, they missed three times in a row uh, in in the middle. 2000 what do you call it the the aughts the aughts yeah Uh yeah they missed three times in a row there so that's two consecutive times that they missed uh consecutive seasons and then again this year the first time in a decade other than that the galaxy made the playoffs every season but they are definitely in a funk right now yeah uh you know it's it's again a little bit reminiscent of uh of what it feels like 0708 um 08 now moving into 09 perhaps i mean i think there's a lot of hope on galaxy fans that things will start to turn around uh there's still a ton of question marks and we're going to start trying to answer some of those question marks or at least highlight those question marks because i don't think we have answers right now kevin but the la galaxy uh let's start with the la galaxy's loss to houston and, and what that game looked like and what it felt like and uh just the the disappointment it's I'm going to start this by saying, Kevin, you know, I spend a lot of time covering the LA Galaxy. You spend a lot of time covering the LA Galaxy. You get to know uh, the players. You get to know the coaches. You get to know those guys. Um, it's disappointing whenever you see them disappointed up to a certain extent where obviously I'm obviously there to cover the news um, and, and try to give you, you know, the best insight in all this. But I will tell you that going into the locker room, seeing the players on the field after the game, uh, seeing them in the hallways and in the in the locker room and, and talking to Dominic Kinnear in the press conference, uh, that was one heartbroken team. Uh, it was difficult to uh, to sort of you know get them to open up because they realized that they had it all to play for and they blew it. And that's exactly what happened uh, in this game with uh, with Dominic Kinnear naming a repeat lineup there, Kevin. Uh, basically, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Ola Kamara, Emmanuel Botang, Roman Alessandrini, Jonathan Dos Santos, Sebastian Legette, Ashley Cole, Dave Romney, Dan Steres, Rolf Felcher, and David. Bigham in goal. It was a lineup that anybody could have predicted, uh, and it, it came down almost exactly uh, the way we saw. The only addition, though, Kevin, was that Giovanni Dos Santos, as we, as we had been talking about throughout the week, was added to the bench on this particular night, and that meant that, Kevin, in the starting 11, 
if you were to tally all the players' salaries, uh, the starting 11 was $8.1 million if you were to tally that starting 11. With Giovanni Dos Santos sitting on the bench, and I'm certainly aware that Giovanni Dos Santos is the majority of this money. Uh, with Giovanni Dos Santos sitting on the bench, Kevin, the bench was worth $7.8 million. So you had yeah, 8.1 and 7.8. He's 34% of their entire payroll. He is, absolutely. It's something we he, talked about on uh, on Thursday Night Show. You know, I called you... Um, uh, yesterday after the game and and told you it I reminded you that and I take no delight in this by the way but I reminded you that in last week's show I predicted that the Galaxy were going to struggle with Houston and I th- I thought that they had a chance to lose that game and and I also said the same thing in an interview I did on Sirius XM radio um, and the reason I thought that is because historically and this is going back to the Bruce Arena years the Galaxy for whatever reason always seems to struggle in the games that they're supposed to win. They they rarely blew people out. They had a couple of blowout wins against Chivas back in the day, but for the most part if they play a really good team, they play up to that uh, level and they play very well and they look good and they win. Um, this is historically again. And, and when they play a, a poor team, the team that they should just run all over, they struggle, sometimes lose as they did this game. This going into the Houston game when you look at the stats, it was a gimme. Galaxy hadn't lost at home since May. Houston had had won one time on the road all season. They were uh, they had lost ten of their previous fourteen. They had nothing to play for. The Galaxy had everything to play for. The Galaxy a winning record at home. Salatan hot as a pistol. Everything going in the Galaxy's favor. And that's when I thought this doesn't look good. This this looks like a, an ambush waiting to happen. And sure enough, you know, the Galaxy had given up two goals in their previous four games. They gave up three goals in 22 minutes Well, and, uh, and, on, on Sunday. Yeah, and it wasn't even just that they gave up two goals. I mean, you go back and you watch this game, and the LA Galaxy absolutely dominated the first half of this match. Um, it was beautiful to watch. It was good fluid passes. Uh, it was good interchange. It was creative and inventive dribbling and... Got just guys taking other guys on. Emmanuel Boateng going one-on-one with Demarcus Beasley. You know, you had experience, and then you had speed, and speed was winning that battle, and it was fun to watch, and, and Boateng, you know, had some good chances in the early time. And then you had two wonderful goals by Ola Kamara. I mean, this is a guy, Kevin, we've talked about, uh, was second on my MVP uh, voting in terms of uh, the LA Galaxy Player of the Year. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic was my first. We'll get to whether or not he won that award. I know you're all, of course, sitting on pins and needles uh, about that one, but Ola Kamara was second on there and we had talked Kevin about how Ola had sacrificed a lot of what he does this year in order to make sure that Zlatan Ibrahimovic had his space and that Ola Kamara would operate around Zlatan I mean Ola Kamara is a straight up number nine we know about that Uh, and really with uh, with Zlatan Ibrahimovic there he can't be just that regular old number nine but he was trying to find a way to make it work. And you go in here, Ola Kamara finishes the season now, Kevin, with 14 goals. Uh, which, when you look at the fact that Zlatan Ibrahimovic probably took a whole bunch of his goals, uh, goals, uh, you have to say that Ola Kamara had one heck of a season um, in that position and doing that and getting goals number 13, number 14 in this match. The LA Galaxy leading 2-0 at halftime and feeling like there could be no wrong uh, in the world, and uh, I think if you went back, I, I think the Galaxy would ho- would hope that uh, if they played this match again, Kevin, they would just skip halftime and go directly into the second half without a break because Houston came out completely reinvigorated, changed up some things, and caused the LA Galaxy some problems, as well as the LA Galaxy 
uh, folding into themselves, uh, certainly not playing the same way they did in the first half. And I have a whole bunch of comments from Dominic Kinnear about what he thought was wrong, and, and certainly he has some points there. But the Galaxy choked. Um, bottom line, you're winning 2 nothing, Kevin. Uh, even 2-1 with, you know, roughly 20 minutes left in this game, uh, you should win this to go to the playoffs and to concede three second-half goals. Uh, and the way that they did is just, it, it's embarrassing for them. And, and it's, it's reminiscent of this team and what it has done the entire season, Kevin. So you certainly can't be surprised about it. Um, but at the same time, just just horribly disappointing for Galaxy fans if, if you're sitting in the stadium at halftime going 2 nothing up, playoffs, here we come. Well, you know, you talk about halftime, how Houston made some adjustments. But it would be interesting, as you mentioned, if they played the game without a halftime, which, of course, they're not going to do. But I think the Galaxy went into the dressing room and they started thinking that it was done. They had they were dominating the game. They were up 2 to nothing. Um, they were looking good. It was just a matter of closing it out. And, and I think maybe that break gave the Galaxy a little time to think. And it seemed to me that in addition to the Houston changes, the Galaxy might have come out a little complacent, thinking that they had it in the bag. They took their foot off the pedal, I guess would be the way, way to say it. I mean, they dominated in every statistic. Uh, time of possession, they had 55% possession. Uh, duels won. They won 52. I mean, some of these stats are esoteric, I know, but it just gives an indication. Duels won, tackles won way ahead the the only uh big uh places where houston had advantages they had 36 clearances uh which really sort of negated the galaxy's advantage in time of possession and uh you know they had a great game in goal five saves to david bingham only made one save and and uh i think that was a you know willis looked really good in goal for them and and uh uh you know Bingham's been good at times this year. He's been good in this last month-long stretch, but didn't have it yesterday. No, didn't. Um, and, you know, looked a little shaky in this particular game. And, and you know, the Galaxy looked a little shaky at times, certainly even in the first half. But it, it was a dominating performance whenever you go back and look at it. And, you know, my big question I was asking to the to the guys after the game was, you know, sort of do you feel frustrated by the chances that you miss? Because, you know, uh, Sebastian Legette raised his hand and said that he missed one, and he did. He had he had basically a, a, the game-tying goal on the back post that he put wide on the wide of the post and didn't even get it on frame, but that one should have been in. Um, you had, uh, you know, Ima Boateng, I think, probably missed two or three chances. One really good chance that Willis was able to make a save on. So the Galaxy weren't, not creating chances. I'll tell you who was quiet though in this game, Kevin. It's Slatan Ibrahimovic. Um, yeah, two, two shots on goal, four shots total, two shots on goal. Yeah, and I'll tell you right now, I don't think any of those were really challenged anybody in terms of uh, of Willis scrambling or anything else. Um, you know, Zlatan was quiet. He tried to find the game a little bit in the first half, and he came back and he dropped in, and that's really where you had some of the combinations that really seemed to work for the Galaxy, and, and that was good. Um, you know, I thought Jonathan Dos Santos and Sebastian Legette had one of the best first halves I've seen them play. Uh, dominating. Jonathan Dos Santos sliding all over the place, making stops, doing those things. Uh, both of those guys uh, lacked severely in the second half. Uh, their passing and their shape. Uh, their ability to string things together uh, diminished, whether that was by Houston pressure or the fact that the Galaxy, as Dominic, Dominic Kinnear said, starting playing started playing too negatively, passing the ball backwards, and also basically inviting pressure from the Houston Dynamo, which is what uh, eventually broke them in the second half. Uh, you can look at the defense 
Um, and certainly there have been many keyboard warriors pointing to the LA Galaxy's defense and the defense being the fault here. And while that has been true for a lot of the years, uh, the amount of pressure that the Galaxy were under in the second half, Kevin, was was extreme. It was difficult. And the Galaxy, whenever they had gone down one goal, or excuse me, whenever they had uh, allowed the first goal, that broke them. And then you had the penalty kick, Kevin. And if there are soccer gods, uh, then this was their revenge on the LA Galaxy, where you had Roman Alessandrini uh, kicking AJ. AJ De La Garza inside the box clear foul for me. Uh, no issues there, but the fact that it was AJ De La Garza, um, the fact that it was in the penalty box, the fact that the tie then at 2-2 meant the LA Galaxy had to push forward and get another goal, which eventually leads Houston to get the third goal. Uh, all that stuff comes in, and you had guys talking about the timing of that penalty kick and how that really sort of cemented uh, their mindset that you know things were slipping away and they were watching them slip away. It was it was. Incre- if if you're an ob- if you're a neutral and you're an observer from the outside, Kevin, if you're looking at this like the galaxy or a zoo, which might be a an, an apt analogy there, uh, if you're looking at like the galaxy or a zoo and you're watching just the uh, the the emotional responses and the behavioral responses to these goals. Um, you had to have seen that these guys were dropping their heads. You had to have seen that things were falling apart and that they believed in their mind that something bad was happening. And that's exactly what you saw was that the galaxy uh, had something bad happening. Well, you talk about AJ De La Garza and, and uh, you, you have to know he loved that. He did not, he loves the galaxy, still has his home in Southern California, um, but was not happy with the way his trade was handled. He was told he was going to stay he was also told that if we or assumed it, that if he would be traded, that he would have an opportunity to say where he wanted to go. That all the whole trade to Houston before the start of last season really surprised him. So, um, you know, that penalty kick was the one that actually took the Galaxy out of the playoffs because they had to win. They couldn't tie. And that was the game tying goal. Um, since A.J. has left, by the way, and, and not all this is is. Uh, you know, AJ wouldn't have changed a lot of this, but he was—he is a good player. He did draw that foul. Um, it was a good play by him to draw it. Maybe a more a less experienced player doesn't necessarily uh, draw the foul in that situation. But since AJ have le- has left, the Galaxy have lost 30 games in consecutive seasons. That's their most in back-to-back seasons ever. And remember, uh, De La Garza is a versatile defender. He can play anywhere along the back line. Since uh, AJ De La Garza left, the Galaxy have given up 131 goals. That's the most ever in consecutive seasons. Is all that because of AJ? No, but it just gives a it gives you an idea of of just how much this franchise has been transformed in the last two years. This year they gave up 64 goals. It's the third most they've ever allowed. They scored 66, th- right. third most they've ever scored in the season. Um, but uh, uh, they they didn't make the playoffs the second consecutive year, and that's the that's the big number. Well, and since AJ De La Garza left, the LA Galaxy haven't had a consistent right back either. Uh, Rolf Felcher was the closest to that, and he spent a large portion of the season sidelined with that uh, pectoral tear uh, that he had. You had uh, Pele Van Anholt who came in. You had Robbie Rogers who was supposed to be there and then uh, ended up getting injured to the point where uh, he was never going to play again. Um, so you had all of these things that have sort of led from the AJ, and of course, not to say that there's an AJ curse, but certainly if you if you believe in the AJ curse, Kevin, then the fact that AJ picked up the penalty kick, uh, the fact that Leonardo had to be subbed into this game late in the game, um, you know, also a little bit of curse of the LA Galaxy's former defenders uh, coming in and playing on this. All that stuff played into the, the sort of mindset that things were spiraling out of control in the second half. And, you know, ultimately they did, uh, despite the fact that I thought there was some really good individual performances. I mean, Ashley Cole finished with 10 assists on the year, Kevin. 
uh, as a defender. An amazing stat uh, for a guy who I think, and you know, we'll get to some quotes here and I can talk about those, uh, but for a guy who basically hung up his football boots after this game. Um, and he certainly reflected a little bit on that, but he had 10 assists on the season. Um, a- amazing sort of thing to look at. Uh, Roman Alessandrini got hit, you know, an eighth assist of the season. So you had guys... Uh, for the LA Galaxy, who scored a ton of goals, uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic with the 22, Kamara with 14, Alessandrini with 11. Those kind of numbers should be should be winners there, Kevin. And and we saw for most of the year that the Galaxy just simply didn't have the defensive chops. And when they finally got it back together, uh, perhaps all the string of games with the same lineup finally took its toll, Kevin. Because I'll tell you, Zlatan was quiet, and we talked about him recovering after the uh, after his time on the uh, on the turf in Minnesota, right? And we uh, and you saw a, a tired LA Galaxy team in the second half, and again, same lineup, not as many subs, over and over again down the stretch trying to make it there. Uh, maybe that all took its toll as well. Well, you know, it's obvious teams are going to key on on Zlatan. I'm surprised that this didn't happen earlier. I thought that that Houston did a pretty good shot of of uh, job of shutting him down. Now he's still tied for the team lead in shots and shots on goal. But he didn't score, and that's the important number. Um, Houston did a good job shutting him down. The Galaxy, I think, should have been a little more prepared for that. I mean, at some point, someone's going to figure out the way to take him out of the game because he has been their offense. He's uh, scored or, or assisted on half their goals down the stretch as they made this playoff push. Now, Ola Kamar did step up and did score two goals, but it didn't seem like the, the Galaxy necessarily had a game plan for what happens if, if uh, Zlatan isn't effective and, you know, again, I thought Houston did a good job of taking him out of the game. And it's interesting, too, you talk about uh, A.J. setting up the, the tying goal. The goal that put the, 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 the knife in the Galaxy's back, the last one, that happened one minute after Leonardo came on. And, again, I'm not saying Leonardo set that goal up. But right. you were talking about the, 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 goal, the curse of uh, A.J. and Leonardo. Right. Um, maybe that had something to do with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, of course, of course. Uh, I'm sure people are really going uh, to buy that from me. Um, no, I, I just... It was all interesting. I mean, this this game from just the pure spectacle aspect had everything, and I talked about it on Thursday night's show about Larry Morgan telling me, he goes, you know, it's not often that you get to cover a game with such, you know, dramatic results that you know you're going to get, you know, after this game. There was something to play for. It was the 34th game of the season. How often does a regular season game take on that much meaning, Kevin? It's it's difficult um, to find that. And knowing that the Galaxy in front of what they called 27,000 people at, uh, at StubHub, Center, um, you know, in front of. Are, are you doubting that? I I always doubt there. Yeah, You're doubting yeah. the galaxy and, attendance figures. I, of course, absolutely. Same. I don't know. It looked about as it looked about as fools. One of there's whenever there's twenty five thousand people in there. So you know, I, I but I question that number as well. Well, but, I checked with the White House press office, it, and they and Sarah Huckabee Sanders said absolutely. Absolutely, that's, what it, that's what it was. It makes sense to me. Um, you know, there was there was other things. Mike McGee was uh, was at the Angel City Brigade, uh, leading a chant during the game uh, during the first half when things were good. Uh, Mike McGee was there and Angel City uh, Brigade uh, came back and chanted, uh, McGee, McGee, McGee is on fire. And uh, we, we were sitting there, Larry and I were sitting there going, is that, are they chanting for Mike McGee? And I'm like, I bet he's standing over there. And he was, he was standing over there for stuff. So, I mean, there was, there was so much promise and build up. And I, by the way, just as an aside, had a great sort of uh, corner of the galaxy fan appreciation uh, day as we have done before. Somebody needed to do that yesterday. 
apparently yeah, the team I, did. But anyway, yeah, go ahead. Yes. Uh, so we did it at halftime, and uh, it was so great to see everybody around there. And it was, again, in happier times. 2 nothing. everybody was in a good mood, feeling like they were going to the playoffs. Hey, Josh, who are we going to play in the playoffs? Hey, Josh, who's, in it, who's it right now? And at the time, it was Seattle. And I was telling everybody, it's Seattle, but there's still a chance that it could be LAFC. Uh, so everybody left that at halftime. And you go back there, you never thought that the Galaxy would concede the form that they had been in. You never thought that they would allow three goals uh, in the second half and get knocked out of the playoffs, uh, which is interesting because had they, of course, stayed in the playoffs, Kevin, uh, they would have uh, they would have been facing off against LAFC uh, on Wednesday or Thursday. Who knows if they changed the uh, the date of that game depending on uh, what it was. But on Wednesday or Thursday, the Galaxy would have traveled to Bank California Stadium, and you would have gotten an El Trafico knockout game, Kevin, something that uh, I said... Uh, at the time, would probably be the biggest soccer game in Los Angeles City history um, in terms of its meaning and its uh, its level of intensity and everything that could have been. Um, so the Galaxy had it all to play for, and even Dominic Kinnear mentioned that LAFC uh, would have been their opponent, and he goes, that makes it worse. Uh, he said that makes it worse. Uh, certainly, well, Larry yeah. was all excited about this game. I mean, this game would have looked like an exhibition game uh, compared to El Trafico Four. Yeah, uh, in the knockout round. And you know what? That th- that is the Galaxy is the team that LAFC did not want to play. I don't know who they wanted to play, but they did not want to play the Galaxy because LAFC players deny it and say, "What are you talking about? We're professionals." Yada yada yada. Galaxy are in their heads big time. I mean, look at the results of those three games. The first one they come back from. A three nothing deficit and win four three. The second one, they, they scored two goals in the final eight minutes of regulation to tie um, it, it, there at Bank of California. LAFC did not want to play those guys. I think the Galaxy would have uh, put up a, a, I don't know if they would have won, would have been a great match. They would have really put up a struggle. Um, but it, now that's just all speculation. It's not going to happen. Yeah, all, all speculation. Uh, really something the Galaxy, I, I think. They missed out on. Um, again, it's just it's the disappointment factor and and the fact that some of these guys were were so set and they admitted it. Some of them admitted. It. I think Ashley Cole admitted it whenever he talks about it and says, "Hey, yeah, maybe we did think that we were there already. Maybe we did let off the gas." And and they did. It's just it's disappointing. You get so close, and you know, last year, Kevin, the Galaxy were eliminated from the playoffs basically with uh, with four games left to play. And yeah, I it think was, it was in June. Yeah, it felt like June. It was not in June. Uh, it was the end of, I believe, September. I think it was September twenty seventh. Um, is is when it was. Um, and so you look at all those things, and that's when they were eliminated. And this year, it comes all the way down to the 34th game, the last game of the season. The Galaxy look like they have the chance to make the playoffs. I mean, if you're Real Salt Lake, Kevin, and it's halftime, you got to be thinking, we're not going to the playoffs. Uh, this is it. And you got to be starting to think that maybe you should start planning your offseason. Uh, and instead, uh, in just 45 minutes of soccer, it turns around uh, and RSL goes to the playoffs instead of the LA Galaxy. I mean, heartbreaking. Yeah, there, there were a lot of golf dates canceled <laughs> late yesterday in Salt Lake. I mean, there was some made at halftime. There were a lot canceled. But so you talk about that. that that's a good jumping out point for this. It's September 27th last year, they were eliminated from the playoffs, realistically eliminated from the playoffs way before that. But mathematically, it was September 27th. This year, kind of eliminated from the playoffs, or at least on way on the outside looking in at the start of September around Labor Day. And now they go down to the final basically 25 minutes of the season, 30 minutes of the season. So is did did the Galaxy make progress? Did the Galaxy make progress this year? Is this a good year? Did did oh. things move forward? Or is it a bad year? Because for the second consecutive year, they didn't make it. They weren't able to close. 
Um, they still, you know, they don't have a coach. They've on their third coach in 23 months, and he's an interim coach. It, what was progress made? Was this season a step forward? Or uh, was it marking time or even a step backwards? Uh, I mean, I think you have to say it's a step forward up to a certain point. You have to say that if you believe that getting Zlatan Ibrahimovic is a step forward and Zlatan therefore leading the LA Galaxy and helping them improve the way they did, um, there's lots of step backwards. You brought in you know, guys like Michael Ciani and Jorgen Shelvick and you spent a ton of money on them and you found out that uh, at least in this last season that they couldn't play. And Jorgen Shelvick is a guy who's making a million dollars a year that you're probably not going to be able to get rid of. I'm guessing he has a two-year contract uh, and it's probably not a team option. So you're stuck with guys like that. Uh, you know, you the the winning formula for the LA Galaxy ended up being Sebastian Legette and Jonathan Dos Santos in the midfield, which is great, except that you went out and spent $475,000 on, you know, Perry Kitchen. So that's a step backwards. Uh, you still don't have a, a backup right back, even when you have a right back that I think worked out pretty well, but was injured and and all these other things. So, I mean, there's... And now you need a left back. You and, don't have a left back at yeah, all. And now you don't have a left back. So, I mean, you're going to have to do that, which we, we sort of knew. So, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of step forwards um, and while the players, Kevin, are saying, are certainly saying that they expect, you know, there's probably some big changes, I don't know how many big changes you can really make to this roster, understanding that they probably have a lot of these guys already locked in on contracts, and those are probably already set in stone for 2019. So yeah. it's, it's going to be well, tough. By the way, it's steps forward, not step forwards, as you said, because oh, your yes. steps are the plural, not, uh, gotcha. not forward. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at, at, you're right, most MLS contracts, when a player signs or re-signs, it's two years with a, a club option, which, by the way, in all sports, I hate the club option that basically says uh, the player has to come back if the club wants him, but if the player wants to leave or the player wants to come back, whatever, he doesn't have that option. It's up to the club. So I hate those. Anyway, having said that, just taking a look at the players that I – know or assume, based on their contract status, that they are locked up for next year. Hilliard Arce, of course. Um, Bingham signed a new contract when he came down. It was a two-year deal. He's back. I know Dan Steris is back. He told me. Allison Drini, Jonah, and Gio Dos Santos all signed through the end of 2019. Ola, because he took uh, came over from Columbus and then signed a new contract with the Rays, I believe he is locked in. Ephraim yes. Alvarez, who we didn't see this year. Shelvick and Felcher, I assume both of those guys, since they're new to the league, would have signed a two-year contract. Um, uncertain, uh, Ashley Cole, I believe, is done. Romney's contract and option are up. So, uh, And I believe that he probably would be interested in going somewhere unless he got some sort of – he's not making much. He'd need to get a raise, and so I probably yep. would request some sort of a guarantee for playing time. Um, Pontius probably has a two-year contract as well, but with the injury and his age, he's 31. He'll be 32 next May. I would expect he's probably going to be gone. Really? Ciani no, I disagree, Bob, and Chris Pontius 100%. Okay. I, think, I think, one, I think it was probably only a one-year deal because it was a free agent deal, um, which happens a lot with the free agents. And I think that if you're the LA Galaxy, you would want to get Chris Pontius back. Yes, with the age, but the injury was late, and he was one of the best players through the middle section of the season when nobody else was any good Kevin uh, he was one of the spark plugs I would think that the Galaxy if they missed anything in, you know down these stretch games that they had it was a guy like Chris Pontius or a guy like Bradford Jameson or a guy like Giovanni Dos Santos even as a sub they were missing one of those offense pieces so yeah, the, I, I think Bradford and, and Ari Lasseter I don't uh, are probably back Emma and and Sebastian Legette I don't know about we know Siani's gone and then the big uh, question mark is Zlatan. He is signed for next year. Uh, when I talked to Chris Klein about that a couple of times, it was very strange. 
with a lot of players, Chris will be very uh, firm that the club is in control. And yes, he's signed. And yes, he's coming back. He has been way beyond tentative talking about Zlatan. It's kind of been like, well, you know, he's kind of signed for next year. I think he'll be back. Whatever. It, it gives me the impression that if Zlatan uh, says boo, that Galaxy is going to jump. They're, if Zlatan decides to leave, I do not believe the Galaxy are going to go to the mat. They'll probably protest a little bit. But but Chris Klein seemed a little intimidated by Zlatan. I don't know that they're they're going to fight this if Zlatan wants to go. And I don't know that he does. He was one that was more disappointed than anybody yesterday and clearly uh, you know, wore his heart on his sleeve. The emotions were obvious when they lost, how disappointed he was. Um, he wants more money. Um, yeah. There's no place to get that from. The, the, the Galaxy are underwater on salary now. They have no – not only do they have no wiggle room, but they're actually over their budget. So they have no money to spend. They have three DPs locked up, which means they either got to sell – Geo because nobody's going to take him at that salary or they've got to trade Alessandrini, which has been talked about, but Alessandrini desperately wants to come back, so he's not going to be the one pushing that trade. Um, but to fit Zlatan in, they're going to have to move a lot of things, and all of a sudden, teams in Europe are interested in Zlatan. My sense of Zlatan is that he had a great time here. He enjoyed the L.A. vibe. You know, He would go uh, skating on the beach and do all kinds of L.A. things. He loved that part of it. He loved the Hollywood part of it, being on these TV shows. My sense, and, and this is not a quote from Zlatan, my sense is that he did not uh, enjoy the soccer as much and that he doesn't have a ton of respect for the uh, for MLS, the style of play. And by that I mean he talked a lot about how when you're losing uh, three to nothing or four to nothing, you're not out of the game. He kind of, it, Imagine an NFL uh, all-pro player uh, playing arena football. I kind of got the sense that was what Zlatan thought of MLS. Yeah, they play with the same ball and the same rules, but it's not really the same game. It's a different game than I'm used to in Europe. Um, whether he thought it was a little bit too easy or just too offensive, uh, I, I, I don't know. We didn't have a conversation about it. But I just have that sense that Zlatan, this was not what he thought he was getting himself into. So I could definitely see him coming back with the success he had, feeling like there's some unfinished business. He doesn't want this stain on his career. I could also see him saying, you know what, I, I came, I checked it out, didn't like it too much, uh, and, and they didn't pay me enough. I'm I'm going to go to AC Milan or to Real Madrid or wherever else he can go. Yeah, it, no, it could be, and, and we'll make this point right now. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic was not available after the game, um, and I'm going to break down sort of the, the post game and everything that, that happened and who I talked to and, and all that fun stuff, but Zlatan Ibrahimovic was not in the locker room when the press was uh, led into the locker room, and uh, therefore we we did not get to talk to him, and we were told he would not be available. And from what I can tell, did not walk through the Champions Lounge to say goodbye to the fans either. Uh, in terms of that, it, it seems like he went around it because whenever I notified the security guards that Zlatan wasn't in there as I was leaving, they were surprised, and I talked to some fans, and they were like, oh, he hasn't come through here either. So either he went through early before uh, before all those fans were there and the security guards were there, or uh, he went out through the back way. So uh, an interesting, for a guy, Kevin, who has... Uh, who has routinely stood up whenever the Galaxy have been bad and who has routinely been made available when the Galaxy have, uh, have had uh, perhaps some, uh, some bad results. He was, he was usually that guy who was there and would do it and usually always walk through the Champions Lounge and signed autographs and took pictures and did that whole thing. Well, and, you know who showed him the, the, the back way out? I think it was uh, Gio, Gio who showed him how yeah. to do that. Yeah, I let him along. Look, we talked a little bit about this before we went on the show, it's an, and and sorry to cut you off, but we talked a little bit about this before we went on the show. Um, yes, MLS rules say that every player has to be available to the media after the game, and, and that's that's a rule. 
it's one that we don't largely push because um, I think most of us understand that, hey, this guy made a, a horrible mistake. And if he wants to talk about it, we'd love to talk to him about it. But let's not push it. He's in a bad place right now. Or Ashley Cole speaks almost all the time. If he decides one game he doesn't want to speak, we kind of let him go. But um, and I'm not a believer that you have to speak to the media. I mean, I, I the, the players are played to play the game. I think they should. I think it's good for them and it's great, good for the team and it's best for the fans if we get to talk to them. But, you know, I don't think that they have to. I, I, and I, I differ from a lot of my brethren in the media because of that. However, I will say a couple of things about Zlatan. He has been there basically after every game and once a week during training all season. When he scores three goals, when he has a hat trick, when he has the comeback against LAFC, when he does all those wonderful things, he's there to tell us about it. Um, this was a game that uh, got away from them. It was disappointing. Their season's over. And I think most people wanted to know about Salatan, what he thought of it. He's the team leader. I, th I think he he ran away because he knew he was going to face questions about his future. Probably didn't feel like he was in a good place emotionally to answer those questions. But another part of this is the Galaxy, I, I think the Galaxy as an organization, sometimes are intimidated, intimidated by the players. As they mentioned with my sense of Chris Klein and 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 Zlatan. It happened with Robbie Keane on more than one occasion where Robbie Keane would tell the media relations people that he did not want to speak and they would not challenge that. Um, what they're supposed to do is say, you have an obligation to speak. You're the team captain. You need to come over here and talk. They didn't do that. And the fact that the Galaxy kept the locker room closed for an inordinate amount of time, it's supposed to open 10 minutes after the game, I believe, after a cooling off period, that's probably that's pretty general in most sports. There's a 10-minute cooling off period, and then the media are allowed in. The fact that they kept it closed an extra 10 minutes is covered to let Zlatan leave. If they're, if they're party to this, uh, and not only did they tell him he didn't have to speak when everyone asked for him, but they actually, uh, you know, aided and abetted in his escape. I, I just think that's wrong. And I think the public relations staff are supposed to be uh, the conduit for the media to talk to the players so that we can explain things to the fans. And when they're actually working to make sure that that does not happen, uh, I, I think that's a, a big red mark against the galaxy. I well, don't think that's a good thing. Yeah, and and there's some there's something to that as well. And we have to give a little bit benefit of the doubt. Uh, Dominic Kinnear came uh, off the field and basically came into the press conference with us. So uh, whenever uh, Larry Morgan, not on Twitter, uh, who wrote some uh, some excellent articles up on the corner of the galaxy site, if you go there now. Uh, but anyway, whenever Larry asked Dominic Kinnear what he said to the team, uh, Kinnear said I hadn't spoken to the team yet, and uh, and I came straight in here off the field. Um, and so basically we know that Dominic Kinnear then after the press conference went in and talked to the guys. Um, at least that's what we're assuming. We didn't see him um, and we didn't hear him specifically, but there was a little bit of clapping going. Listen, some very light clapping. I don't want anybody to think like the uh, the LA Galaxy were in there raucously cheering and that type of thing. It was, hey, yeah, good job. Congratulations. You, you know, that type of thing. It could have been anything. No, mu no music. No music. Um, you know, it was pretty subdued. Everything was subdued, but we heard the clapping. Uh, we figured that Kinnear was in there, but uh, of course, I feel like there was time enough uh, for the LA Galaxy to to help Slaton escape uh, as he did, and you know that's one of the things that that sort of happens. I'll tell you this. Uh, I know, Kevin, you take the view that maybe we shouldn't look so much into Zlatan not speaking or Zlatan not being there because he has chosen not to speak a couple of times when he's been in the locker room. Um, but the fact that he wasn't even in the locker room this time, um, 
I think you sort of lean towards the, you don't think that says anything about his future. And I would say that it wouldn't surprise me if that said everything about his future. Um, but I'm just not, I'm not willing to commit a hundred percent to that. I'm just saying that with his level of what I would imagine is discussed over the season that he had, uh, even when he comes in and scores 22 goals, um, second overall in LA galaxy history in terms of single season scoring, um, he'll sit right behind Carlos Ruiz from now until eternity until somebody puts in 23 in between the two. Um, you look at all those things and, and what Zlatan has done. I could see him being upset enough to, to tell the LA Galaxy, you're gone. Um, that, you know, I don't want to be here anymore. That I gave my all and this is what I got. And I would think that it's more a... If, if Zlatan decides not to stay, Kevin, I would think it's more of a verdict on the LA Galaxy's organization as a whole than it is just on the team that was put together in, in 2018. That's, well, that's my view. That, that could be very well be true. And and perhaps Delatan was saying, I'm no longer part of the organization, so I'm not going to sit here and talk about the future. Uh, you know, and I, I don't want to read to, I, I don't want to go too far. Maybe he was injured. Maybe he had to go pick someone up at the airport. We don't know. I mean, that was one of Robbie Keane's excuses I that remember he that used one. frequently, yeah. that he always had to go to the airport. But I, I will say one thing, that when you leave your teammates, when you're a team leader, whether it's Ashley Cole as the captain, who did speak at length, whether it's Ramon Alessandrini the designated player. Now we didn't hear at, at least I don't believe the other two DPs. I don't know that Yona and 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 Gio spoke. Maybe they no. did. But when you're the high salaried guy and you're the team captain and you're one of the leaders, you are supposed to speak. And the reason why, and again, I'm gonna go back and say I don't believe that they have to. I don't think they should be ordered to, but I do think if you want the respect of your teammates, somebody needs to stand up and, and be again, that's a good term. Be the stand up guy and say, this is what happened and explain to the media. As Roman Alessandrini said, it's my fault. That's what you want a team leader to do. When the team leader leaves and doesn't speak to the media, that's not being a stand up guy. And it's hard for the teammates to look at him and say, hey, you bailed on us after the biggest game of the year and you let, let us stand there and explain to the media. But you were only too happy to talk when you scored the game winning goal and come over and make your jokes and talk about how uh, thank you, L.A., for, you know, you're welcome, L.A., because a lot of time is here and, and do all that stuff. But when when, you know, it, it's a really tough moment, you take off and. Uh, I know a lot of listeners hate when I use references to other sports, but there's one that I think is real uh, apropos right now. I, I covered last year's World Series. I know the Dodgers just lost another World Series. But when they lost to Houston last year in that game seven, went in the locker room afterwards and all the veterans were gone. Now, some of them came back, but Chase Utley, nowhere to be found. Um, Clayton Kershaw wasn't there. A lot, you know, Yasmani Grandal, a lot of the guys that were the veterans, they were gone. The guy that was standing in front of his locker and answered every question from the media was Cody Bellinger, who was a rookie. That's not the way it's supposed to be. If anything, those guys are supposed to be protected because they're the young guys. And it's the veterans that need to be the stand-up guys. So when you go in the locker room and some people are missing, uh, that that sends a message not only to the media, but I think to the teammates as well. Uh, it's an interesting point. All interesting. I want to get to the, to the post game. Now, um, we're going to talk about fan appreciation night and how it went sideways, uh, for the LA galaxy, not just because of the loss, but perhaps because of some of the actions we will get to that. But I want to talk to you about what I experienced in the post game and, and talking to Dominic Kneer and Ramon Alessandrini, Ashley Cole, Sebastian Legette, Ola Kamara, and give you just my takes and a couple quotes from each of those guys on, you know, sort of how their body language was and, and sort of how they carried themselves afterwards. So that way you understand uh, where these guys are coming from. Let's start with uh, Dominic Kinnear because he was the first guy we got to talk to in the press conference. Again, he came straight from the field in the press conference uh, and then had to answer our questions. Um, you know, Scott French, I believe, 
we've opened up the uh, the the questions. I know every, I know you're shocked, Kevin. Um, yeah, I can't believe that. <laughs> so Scott, Scott spoke. Wow. By the way, Dominic Kinnear's favorite reporter, Scott French. Uh, so he's he's right there. That says a lot about Dominic Kinnear. I don't. I see. I it's it's one of those weird things. I cannot I cannot find a hole in Dominic Kinnear's uh, you know exterior. I think he's a great guy. I think he's a really good coach. Uh, all those things and the fact that he likes Scott French, it makes me think a little bit. It's just one of those things. And and I love Scott too, but it's just it's a little joke. Um, anyway, so Dominic Kinnear afterwards, um, he was he he was shook. Kevin, he was he was rattled from this. Um, he said, and Scott opened up, he said, uh, you know, Scott asked him about the second half and, and what happened in the second half. And it looked like, you know, the galaxy didn't come out the way that they were supposed to in the second half. And, and Dominic Kinnear, uh, said, you're right. Your eyes are good on that one. We did not. We were a little complacent. Our passing became shorter and a little bit negative at times. I think Ima Boateng had a wonderful chance at 2-1, which would have made it 3-1. Obviously the third goal puts the game out of reach, but I think we put a lot into it. You would have loved to see the same energy come out in the second half, but we didn't do that. Um, Scott followed up, or, or not particularly, there were some questions. I asked uh, two or three questions in this one, too, just in case you didn't think I wasn't doing my job. Uh, but Scott asked the question, can you talk about the emotion of this? This seems like it's tough to take. This was interesting. Dominic Kinnear is a guy, Kevin, I think, who answers questions honestly, uh, who does it in a fairly easy way for us simpleton reporters to understand. Um, he's just good at communicating. Uh, and he said, yeah. And then he had to take a break. Um, he said, I'm a bit empty right now. And he was talking about his emotions. He was talking about his heart and everything else. Uh, there were tears in his eyes and he stopped. Uh, he was a little bit shaky. You could sort of see it. Uh, and then he sort of regained composure and he says, you know, even at halftime, I knew the job uh, wasn't over. We needed to keep on playing because they have some good players going forward that can hurt you. Like I said, our possession in the first half kept them away from our goal. And then our lack of possession in the second half brought them closer to our goal. Um, so he went on just sort of looking at it. But when you saw that Dominic Kinnear had tears in his eyes and, and just, you know, I'm not saying the guy cried. That's not what it was about. But Kevin, there was a pause there that made you realize how important Dominic Kinnear thought this game was, that how important the job he was doing for the LA Galaxy was important. I mean, you talk about a guy who basically coached the the rivals of the LA Galaxy over the years, and how he talked about how it was difficult to come to the LA Galaxy because he had hated them so much at one point, you know, and it was a little bit of a joke about that, but to see the guy, he truly cared about the outcome of this game. Bottom line, that was the biggest thing I took away from this, that Dominic Kinnear was sitting there, you know, nearly on the verge of tears, uh, talking about this loss and how much it hurt, and he even said... You know, whenever you look at, um, let me see if I can find the, yeah, he goes, uh, he goes, when I walked in here, uh, Brendan Hannon uh, said that LAFC finished in third, just makes it even a little bit more hurtful. But like I said, I can't fault the players at all. They've been a good group uh, to be around. Uh, he's talking about wanting the chance to go after LAFC, Kevin. I mean, you know, for a guy who hated the LA Galaxy, he certainly seems like he bought into the uh, the whole history of the club and 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 exactly where it was pointed. Well, he talked early in the season when Ashley and Ziggy was still coach about uh, the Galaxy always had that kind of a killer instinct that once they got ahead of you, uh, and this is him talking as an opposing coach, remembering his time as an opposing coach with San Jose and Houston, whenever the Galaxy got ahead of you, then they, they just put your, their foot on your throat and it, and it was over. They closed out games. And it's ironic that that was his takeaway uh, from coaching against the Galaxy. And then in the most important game that he has as their interim coach, they can't do that exact same thing up two to nothing at halftime, unable to close it. And it winds up costing them a playoff spot. And, you know, I probably he was a, a long shot anyways, but may have cost him a chance at, at the job. I, I really felt if 
Dominic got them into the playoffs that the Galaxy really needed to seriously consider him as the full-time coach. And the, the reason why is the core of this team, yes, it's going to be a long offseason and a busy offseason again, but I do believe the core of this team will be back next season. And yeah. the core of this team has performed for Dominic Kinnear. Why gamble? And I know you and I differ on this, but why gamble on another coach, a big-name coach, and hope that you're going to roll the dice and hope that the players uh, play for him when you have a guy in-house right now, the third most successful coach, the most successful active coach of all, in MLS. He's here now, and the team plays for him. Why, why not go with what you have and what you know works as opposed to taking a, a gamble on somebody else? Yeah. But that's I, out the window now. Yeah, yeah, no, it is out. The, well, I mean, it is, it is and it isn't. He certainly got some votes of confidence from the players uh, after the game. Uh, Sebastian Legette. Uh, talking only positive things about Dominic Kinnear. Ola Kamara said that he really likes Dom. Ashley Cole went out and basically stumped for him and said, hey, yeah, they should consider his, him as an option. We'll get to some of those quotes. Um, so after Dominic Kinnear talking there and, and doing, by the way, uh, I asked him if, uh, if, if this is it with the LA Galaxy for you, you know, what can you make of the stretch run you had? And, and basically he didn't want to answer that question. Uh, he said, that's a question for another day. I just went from feeling empty to trying to be philosophical in my short period of time as the interim head coach. So yeah, it's a tough one to answer. Scott French uh, came up and asked him, you know, would you like to continue on at this job? And he goes, it's a question for another day, Scott. This is the post-game press conference, right? Not the Dominic Kinnear future press conference. I know where you're coming from, Frenchie. This stuff for me isn't even in the back of my mind right now. My feelings are with the team and the front office and the fans. It's a great club, as we know, when I walked in here. Um, and then basically the LAFC quote there uh, that I already quoted to you. So, I mean, you know, it, it's again, Dominic Kinnear enjoyed being it. He has never said that he wanted the job, Kevin, mostly because I think they told him he was never going to get it. Um, I think if they offered it to him, he would take it. Um, even though he's told other people that, uh, no, you know, he lives in the Bay Area and he's been commuting down and that's that's what he wanted to do. Um, you know, he wanted to live in the Bay Area. He didn't want to live down here. But I think if you give him the head coaching job for the LA Galaxy, I think he moves. Um, well, so one, one of the things that I had heard when Ziggy was fired is that one of the excuses, and, and by the way, there seems to be some debate out there. Yes, the Galaxy press release said that Ziggy left. Uh, it was a mutual decision. It was not. Ziggy was called in the office and basically told, you can resign and uh, get your severance package and all these kind of things, or we can fire you and 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 we're going to send out a press release saying that you were fired. And, and Ziggy at that point fell on the sword, but make no, make no mistake. He did not have a choice. He was fired. Anyway, having put that aside, one of the things he was told when he asked why is they said, we want to start working on next year. We want to start the transition to next year. And so Ziggy said, well, who's going to be the coach? And they said, Dominic. And he said, well, has Dominic got the job for next year? And they said, no. And at that point, it's like, well, wait a minute. You said you're you're starting to work on next year and you're going to hire a coach that is not going to be your coach next year. Why not just keep me? I'm not going to be your coach next year either. Um, so, you know, I, I say that only to point out that the Galaxy said as early as uh, the first week in September that Dominic was not their coach next year. Right. Um, that was before he almost got them in the playoffs, though. So I think probably he deserves at least – uh, you know, a look. They, they 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 need to sort of step back and think a little bit about that promise that he wouldn't be back. Maybe he is the best guy out there. You know, they may be running out of candidates. Uh, I know the coach. They uh, they wanted Greg Berhalter. He looks like he's still the favorite for the national team job. Um, uh, they were talking about bringing somebody in from South America. Um, you have some uh, an update on what's going on that with Benedetto and Scalotto. Right. That may not work. They they both may wind up in Atlanta at some point. 
Yeah, very well could, and and that's some, we we can talk about that as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's still signs that Benedetto might be linked with the LA Galaxy. Uh, Guillermo Barrascoloto, former uh, former crew guy, uh, may go and coach the crew, may go and coach Atlanta. He's certainly somebody that I think the Galaxy should take a look at. I'm not sure that they will. Um, so that's something to take a look at. I mean, it seems like more and more. Somebody asked me to handicap my coaching. Uh, hunt right now for the LA Galaxy, Kevin, and I have to put in my number one position right now, Caleb Porter. Um, and and there's a reason is that right. I feel like that they're going to limit their other options. Um, I feel like their other options are going to go away, as you talked about Burhalter and maybe Shkolodo. And whenever they do, they're going to pretend like they went and searched all these things, and that Porter was always the best guy for the job, um, which I think is a is a difficult sort of position to stand by. And again, it's going to look like a fallback position because clearly I think they would want Burhalter as number one. Um, and whether or not you want Shkolodo or you're going to go with, uh, you know, Porter as number two as your 2A, 2B, uh, it's still, you know, sort of pulling back. I also heard rumors that they perhaps are still looking at Europe. It's somebody from Europe coming over um, and whether or not that was a number one or a number two from Europe. So a number two somewhere that would come in and become the number one at the LA Galaxy. And if that's the case, is their general manager uh, sort of coming up? And, and you and I were talking, Kevin, it, it's time. And we talked about the contracts. It's time very soon to start deciding on those club options players that they want to bring back and without a general manager because uh, the LA Galaxy technically don't have one right now uh, without a head coach the LA Galaxy don't have one right now who's going to be making those decisions in terms of what's going to happen in 2019 if they don't have both of those positions or a guy who is filling both uh, both positions um, you know in place and running right now because those decisions are coming rapidly now that the season is over. Yeah, they and they need to they need to make those decisions quickly. I think uh, in the past they waited too long to do that. Um, I think Scalotto is going to. What I'm hearing is he is going to Atlanta. That uh, Tato Martino is going to the Mexican national team, and Scalotto is already. I've I've heard that it's a done deal. I don't know that. I haven't confirmed that, but I heard that Scalotto then is that is the next man up in Atlanta. Um, Benedetto is asking for, I think, something. The rumors are something about $18 million. Yeah, 17, 18, something yeah, like it's, that. It's a ridiculous that's, number. That's a d- dream world. That is not going to happen in, in any universe. He's not going to come to MLS and get paid that much money. I could see him getting a big contract, a double-digit million-dollar co- contract, so 10, 11, 12 million, perhaps, to go to Atlanta if they were to lose Almiron or Yosef Martinez to Europe. And so, again, he would be reunited with Scloto, which is those two kind of uh, apparently are talking as coming to MLS as a package deal. So I could definitely see Atlanta being in on both those. The Galaxy thing, um, one reason Porter, I think, uh, is getting a lot of talk is he was Chris Klein's college roommate at University of Indiana. And coming to the Galaxy, I think right now Chris Klein is embattled, and I think he wants some loyalty in that position. This guy would be loyal to him. He's also a big-name coach, was an incredibly uh, successful college coach, won an MLS title, right, with with Portland. Mm -hmm. So he has the pedigree. He has the resume. Uh, You know, other guys that haven't been talked about – Burhalter, obviously a former Galaxy player, former Galaxy coach, a teammate of Chris Klein, somebody that worked under him uh, as an assistant coach when I believe Chris Chris Klein was in the academy as president of the franchise by then. So they have a history, too. He's obviously been very successful. I haven't heard much talk about Greg Vaney and, and, you know, things have gone sideways in Toronto, whether there would be a change there. I suspect that Toronto's probably going to try to keep that team together. But but Greg and then Robin Frazier, both guys who have experience at the StubHub Center, um, right. 
and have successful coaching resumes, whether they would be in the conversation as well. You talk about them going to Europe. I wonder if that is the best thing or whether it would be better to get an experienced MLS coach. Yeah, I mean, it, you're certainly going to battle up against the fact that, uh, you know, the LA Galaxy are going to want to draw a certain level of talent, both on the field and on the bench. Um, so I don't know if those guys reach that same level. And I don't know that maybe the Galaxy should be trying to reach that level with their with their bench in terms of, you know, world-renowned sort of uh, names that come in. So it's going to be a difficult balance for them. I think that uh, that Burhalter would be the the number one choice in my book, uh, just for his ability to put a team together uh, on both the GM side and the uh, and the coaching side. So I mean that's sort of what you're looking at with with Porter. If you get a GM in there, um, you know maybe that makes some sense. If you know Scalotto, if you're going to do that, then you'd have to GM bring a GM. So I mean there's decisions that need to be made, and if that's the case, then I would expect that the LA Galaxy front office gets a little bit thinner before it gets thicker, Kevin? Um, yeah, uh, there, I, I believe that there will be at least one person uh, let go from the front office. If, if for no other reason, then I, I think the, the higher-ups, um, we're talking about even up into the AEG level, they need a scapegoat. And clearly, um, they've already let Ziggy go, so he can't be the scapegoat. He wasn't there when they didn't make it. They'll try to perhaps paint uh, him as the reason why they didn't make it. But I, I, I do think there'll be one, at least one front office change. Uh, I would be surprised if Kurt Schmidt came back I don't know that he's had the best experience here uh, as far as working with some other people in the front office, but I, I also believe that it will be difficult for him to go forward much longer uh, with the franchise that fired his father. Same thing happened in Seattle, although he uh, that was a much different situation. It didn't happen the way it happened here in L.A., so he, he did actually stay an extra season. I, I expect Kurt Schmidt to go. There could be one other person to go. But another thing about Porter, if if Porter winds up getting uh, you know a lot of gossip and if he starts to become the front runner, it could sort of tip the Galaxy's hand to what they're going to do with their players. The, the team they have right now, is not a, a, a Porter t kind of team. He, you know, high work rate, uh, guys who go box to box, even end line to end line. Uh, you can look at the Galaxy team and see there are players that don't do that. Uh, Zlatan certainly doesn't do that. Ramon Alessandrini is not uh, necessarily good at that. Um, Ola Kamara is. There are others that can play that style of play. I think Jonathan proved he can do that. But it, it, it the personnel that the Galaxy have on their roster right now does not fit a Caleb Porter type team. So if they were to bring him in, either he needs to change his coaching style, or we're going to see a lot of a lot more personnel changes. And remember, we've seen complete overhauls the last two winners. Right. At some point, they got to get this right. Yeah, they can't continue to be complete overhauls. And and again, I don't think you're going to be able to shuttle as many players this year as you were last year. I think 15 at one point. But I mean, yeah, I think you have 15 locked in from what I'm hearing already and trying to figure out all those names and doing that is something that we're going to do here in the offseason to to attempt to give you a, a window into uh, into the LA Galaxy. Um, back to uh, to the post game. Um Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, Sorry. it's okay. No, we're we're this is you know stream of consciousness. We're going for for all these different things. We want to make sure in, in that my we touch case, on... stream of unconsciousness. But anyway, either, go ahead. either way works. I think the uh, I think the LA Galaxy and uh, and the LA Galaxy fans will uh, will give you a, a little break on some of those things. Um, but no, it was. Uh, it was interesting going into the locker room after all that. We talked about the delay getting into the locker room. We then went into the locker room. Uh, we were able to talk to uh, four players. Uh, you had Roman Alessandrini, Sebastian Legette, Ola Kamara, and Ashley Cole. I'll give you just some quick thoughts on on each one here. Uh, Roman Alessandrini, heartbroken. 
uh, absolutely just shell-shocked from what he saw uh, and what happened on that. Uh, that's a guy who wears his heart on his sleeve for the LA Galaxy, Kevin, you can tell. Uh, it's a guy who I was told was out there signing some some autographs afterwards, and, and that's certainly a little bit of a fiasco on another level whenever you talk about Fan Appreciation Day and the fact that it looks like most players did not stop and, and sign autographs, and certainly the supporters groups left out. We'll have a, a little more on that. Um, but Ramon Alessandrini is a guy. He he totally raised his hand and said it was my fault on the penalty kick. I didn't see AJ. He said I didn't see that player. I'm telling you, it was AJ De La Garza. Uh, Ramon, you know, said he didn't see him and that he was late there and it was, you know, that it was a penalty kick and that he was sorry and that all he could really do was apologize, uh, you know, to his team um, and apologize to uh, to his, his the fans. Uh, he said. We have to move forward. We don't make the playoffs, but we give everything to come back in the game and get in the playoffs. I think we made the fans proud the last two months, and we are sorry about the last 45 minutes. I thought that was a rather uh, perfect framing. Stand-up. Yeah. stand-up guy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, no, it's something. Uh, when asked if he will return next year, Kevin, he said, I'm back. Yes, of course. So just uh, just to keep an eye. But the, the guy was hurting. You could tell. He didn't want it to end that way. Sebastian Legette is the same way I think Sebastian Legette normally is. He was analytical about what happened. Uh, he understood that uh, that things certainly didn't go their way and that they didn't play their game in the second half and, and things went uh, sideways for him. I think Ola Kamara was the one I was probably most surprised with. Uh, Ola Kamara, Kevin, had sort of a thousand-yard stare past reporters the whole time he was answering questions, and it wasn't that he wasn't engaged. Uh, the man looked like he couldn't quite understand the LA Galaxy weren't in the playoffs, uh, that they had w- been winning 2 nothing, that he had scored two goals, um, and that it, it just didn't work. He said, of course it's dev- devastating. Since the Toronto game or after that, I really believe that we're going into the playoffs and then you just see it fade away. It's tough. Um, these guys believed uh, Kevin, and you could see it in the way they were talking, that, if, that when they got into the playoffs, they thought they were going to do it. When they got into the playoffs, that they were going to be impossible to stop. They knew that going into the playoffs, that they they were going to be a team that was going to be difficult to compete against and that they were going to have a chance at winning an MLS Cup. That's what they believed. Whether or not anybody else believes that, that's fine. You can certainly question it. But the way they played down the stretch, there's certainly some of that that you could say they're not completely off base there. I think we've seen it with DC United and the fact that uh, they're so hot right now and the way that they're going in, I don't think you'd vote against them making an MLS Cup. I, if the Galaxy weren't in the playoffs and we had talked about it on Thursday night, there weren't many teams that scared the LA Galaxy in terms of they couldn't match up against. It just turns out, Kevin, that the team they couldn't match up against was the Houston Dynamo, apparently. Um, the, Any yeah. team with Zlatan is, and again, we've, we we talked about Houston finding a way to sort of take him or neutralize him. But any team with Zlatan, just like DC United, you know, the, I, I know they didn't win the finish top the standings and they're going to be in the knockout round, but they have Wayne Rooney. When you have that one guy game changer, especially with the experience uh, of a Zlatan or a Wayne Rooney, it makes your team different. Um, the Galaxy, if they had gotten in, had every reason to feel confident, I think, especially with the first game being at LAFC. I mean, yeah. I think that uh, uh, they would have had a real advantage going into that one. Oh, would have been fun to watch. Woulda, shoulda, coulda. We'll be talking about this one in 20 years, Kevin, on some uh, some video highlight reel about how the LA Galaxy could have uh, once faced off against LAFC uh, in the well, knockout round. <laughs> And let's talk through that. So they're the number six seed, the Galaxy. So right. they go to LAFC. And if they win that game, 
they're the lower seed, so they play uh, the top seed. Then they would have had to go play Sporting or, Kansas City yep. in a two-round playoff, and, and and maybe that's where it ended. I don't know if they maybe. would have somehow been able to play Dallas. I would see them getting to the conference final. I think they're better than Dallas right now. Yeah, I mean, maybe, and, and certainly on Thursday, Eric and I were talking about how that if you're playing a two-game set against SKC, could you win? Could you beat SKC at home in that first game? And then could you then just hold on in SKC? They got a draw the last time they were there. So, I mean, it, it was possible that that could have happened. Anyway, uh, going to Ashley Cole, and I want to spend a little bit of time on Ashley because uh, we've talked about it, and I've already mentioned that I think that was the last game he'll ever play as a footballer. Um, so just sort of getting you know into his mind. And he, again, the entire quote sheet is up on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I made sure that we trans uh, transcribed everything. So everything these guys said, we put down on paper. So you have the full thing. This isn't an LA Galaxy quote sheet that has four quotes on it. This is the full thing. I think it's like 25 or almost 2,800 words words uh, whenever you put all these guys together it's worth your time to read and really try to take in all this stuff uh, one of the things that uh, that was asked they said so uh, so we might see you next year uh, and he goes I don't know and he was shaking his head no uh, they said uh, somebody asked if this was his last game with the galaxy he says I don't know I think after today I'm going to sit down and kind of figure out my options see if the body can recover in the head but we'll see I'm not going to make my mind up right now so a little, little bit hesitant to do that um, I asked him and and maybe this was you know if you ever get to ask a question Kevin and have it sort of been be on like your tombstone and, and say I got a good answer from this uh, I asked him if this was his last game with the galaxy what can you say about your time with MLS and, and LA and he, he sort of took off with it and he said I've loved it I think when I first uh, when I first came here a lot of people probably didn't think I still had that kind of fight and desire to want to be here and want to play I have to thank people like Bruce Arena when he brought me here he took a gamble on me probably considering the age in that ever since that I've tried to work hard in training help the team on the field help the players off the field it's been great and, and he paused and you could see it. He goes, I've loved every minute of it. Even though it would have been nice to win, I've enjoyed every minute. He goes, a little bit sad, you know, walking around the pitch today and not knowing what I'm going to do because the fans, probably at the start again, didn't t- take to me because of the comment that I made. Remember the comment about uh, relaxing on the beach? Uh, yeah. yeah. And he comes and he finally finishes. He says, and in the end, the reception I got was nice. And to win Lars Player LA Riot Squad, uh, to win Lars Player of the Year again probably shows that I've done something good in my three years. So that's Ashley Cole sort of summing up his career with the LA Galaxy, which I think was, uh, he'll be underrated as an LA Galaxy player because of the time that he was on the team, Kevin, and the fact that they didn't win a whole bunch of things. Uh, Ashley Cole was hugely important probably to the development of uh, Dave Romney and Dan Steres. Um, and who knows, that may end up being a good pairing for the Galaxy down the down the road. But uh, You know, he talked about that quote when I interviewed him about a week ago, and he said, first of all, he repeated again that it was taken out of context, but um, what what he then he went on to explain it in, in de- more detail than I've heard him explain it before. He said, "Look, I I was going to play for a team in the Champions League, um, and any soccer player would put the Champions League over MLS." And he 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 sort of intimated what he it wasn't meant as any disrespect to MLS or to the Galaxy, but just on the very surface of it, getting a chance to play in Champions League trumps playing in MLS. And you could be the biggest Galaxy honk in the world, and you've got to agree with that. Oh, absolutely. No, it's absolutely true. But you could see it in Ash's uh, Ash's eyes a little bit there that he was he was reminiscent about it already. Um, I know his uh, his I think his aunt and uncle were in town for the game. Um, and his mom. And, yeah, his mom too. Yeah, yeah, and his mom as well. And so uh, he thought that maybe this could be the last game. And so that was one of the reasons that those people uh, were were in town. Um, so you know, uh, I know people keep asking, and and there's lots of speculation out there about whether or not Ashley Cole will be back out. Um, just just take it from us who have been trying to follow 
the Kevin, you, me, and Larry have now been trying to really nail down this story probably for the last month and a half. Um, maybe two months where we've been talking to Ashley Cole on a, on a regular basis, trying to figure out where his head was at, where he was thinking. And I will say that almost without a doubt, I don't expect Ashley Cole to be back. I don't expect the galaxy to ask him back. And if I was a betting person, I would say that Ashley Cole just played his last game as a, as a footballer and he'll be a coach from now on. Um, well, he, he's working on his coaching badges. Apparently he doesn't, hasn't finished that yet, but he says there is a firm offer on the table from Chelsea for him to go coach with them, working with, uh, either the youth teams or the academy. I'm not sure which one, right. but anyway, working with young players. Remember, Steven Gerrard did that when he went back to Liverpool, worked with the youth and academy players, and now he's a head coach, Yep, I think, in Scotland, right? And yes. so um, it, there, there is a career path for Ashley Cole, and he has said he wants to be a coach, and teammates that I've talked to said he is going to be a great coach. Yeah, I, I would I would imagine that is the case. Remember, so anyway. He started as a striker, too. So, the, you know, he was a very good striker up to about the age of 15 when an injury uh, to a teammate at, at Arsenal with the uh, youth team there uh, led him to, to move back first as a wing back and then uh, on the back line. So he brings a wealth of experience. It, it's when you look at coaches, it's kind of like catchers in baseball. There, you know, there, there are certain positions where you see the whole field and some of them are goalkeepers like Bruce Arena. Others are defenders or holding midfielders. Very rarely is there a striker like a uh, like a Zlatan. He says like he's a never. Zlatan or, or, or a Jurgen Klinsmann is the guy I was thinking of. Very, oh, yeah. very rarely is there a striker because think about it. That's the one position where your back is on, your back is turned to your teammates. You don't right. see what's going on in the rest of the field for the most part. So those guys that are in the back line and Ashley Cole holding midfielders. I think Dominic Kinnear was a holding midfielder, right? Those guys are the guys that see the whole field. And Ashley has the experience of having been a striker and thinking like a striker, but also played his professional career as a as a left back. So I do think he's and, and apparently he's a very good communicator and is able to uh, um, say things uh, in a way that people can understand. And, and that's another thing. Someone who's been as successful as Ashley Cole sometimes has trouble understanding why players don't find the game as easy as he found it and why they, why they can't do what he did. Apparently, Ashley does not have that disease, and he is able to understand that some other guys struggle with stuff that he found to be very easy. Yeah, it, it's always that that interesting conundrum. And Zlatan says he doesn't want to coach, and, and you could imagine, I don't know that he'd make a very good coach. Why can't you just do Zlatan things? Uh, so anyway, it was, it was interesting. Again, I will tell you right now that the, the, this team was heartbroken. Um, that they were shocked. They were shell-shocked, Kevin. They didn't know, you know, they didn't, I don't think they expected uh, this this result. And you could see it sort of happening even as the, the time was ticking down on the clock, even with the nine minutes of additional time, which, by the way, was no gift to the LA Galaxy. There was easily that amount of time on the clock after the there was a Houston injury and it was a head injury and there was blood and it took at least five or six minutes to clean that up and get everybody off the field and do all that stuff. And then there was another three minutes for subs. That that makes total sense to me. So, uh, you know, save your conspiracy theory, uh, all your fun stuff there. But it was on Fan Appreciation Day, Kevin, and we have talked about it, um, you know, a little bit that this one was particularly, I think, from from all the reports. And, and I talked to a whole bunch of people about this, um, you know, that this this wasn't handled the best by the by the LA Galaxy uh, players and and I maybe take a little bit different view of it than you do Kevin but uh, usually Fan Appreciation Day has the players signing autographs around the bowl after the game so so you know down on the field they go up to the stands and they sign stuff and there's a reason those those uh, pictures were handed out the team photos and you know that stuff and and the supporters groups are usually promised that they'll bring some guys by to sign some autographs for them and thank them for for obviously all the support and everything like that and the result of the game ended the 
the way it did. Um, and maybe understandably, maybe not understandably, some guys decided to just head straight into the locker room. Uh, there was no acknowledgement to the fans group uh, that, you know, thanks for the support, that type of thing. And, and however horrible the result was, uh, you certainly could understand the supporters groups and, and some of those other people who are out there waiting for that type of interaction. Then, you know, it's a chance for the players to thank the, the fans for coming out. I mean, we, we get to it, Kevin, but ultimately without the fans, there's no money to pay those players to do the stuff that they're supposed to be doing to play a game. Um, for a living. And so, uh, you know, I feel like there's some real bad blood right now between, and and not that the LA Galaxy probably needed any help in this, but there's some bad blood right now between, you know, the fans and, and the LA Galaxy, uh, both players and, and probably front office. I know uh, members of the LA Riot Squad were out chanting and cheering after the game, uh, so much so that uh, they tried to kick everybody out and they said that they were going to stay, uh, that sheriffs surrounded the group as we had talked about, I think, last year, Kevin, if you remember talking about Angel City Brigade being surrounded uh, uh, by police officers and waiting for somebody to come out and talk to him. And so LA riot squad had some of those people again, I, I imagine, or I've heard that Chris Klein eventually came out. I heard that Dan Beckerman, uh, eventually came out, uh, as well and also got to talk a little bit. So, you know, I'm sure that stuff will get worked out, but it seems to leave a black eye on a season that didn't need to have a black eye there, uh, there at the end, or at least it didn't need to get any worse. Uh, yeah, that's better. It did have a black eye, a huge black, maybe two black eyes and a broken nose too. Yeah. But, I'm going to lean, I'm going to side with the players on this one. They had just been uh, kicked in the gut or maybe even a little bit lower. Um, it, at the end of that, I mean, their whole season and 45 minutes earlier, they thought they were in the playoffs and then it was taken away from them. And knowing some of the players, I mean, there are good guys and bad guys on every team, but there are a number of players in that locker room that really do appreciate the fans and love the fans and enjoy interacting with the fans. And the fact that some of those guys didn't come out um, is probably more a sign, not of disrespect for the fans or not appreciating the fans, but just where they were in their heads. I mean, you saw guys laying on the field afterwards. You saw Zalatan sitting on the bench for the longest time, just alone with his thoughts. Uh, this was a real, real difficult situation for a lot of these guys to pro to uh, to process. So, uh, you know, and again, there were some stand-up guys like like Roman and, and Ashley that talked to the media, but I can understand them not wanting to go talk to the fans, not because they thought they were going to be harassed or anything, just because they just didn't want to talk to anybody. I would imagine for some of their wives and girlfriends, it was a long night uh, for them as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, I, I don't want to read too much into this. Should they have gone? Yes. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to again, point the figure back at the galaxy. I mean, they allowed Zlatan to escape. So how much were they to escape the media? So how much were they pushing guys to go talk to the fans? They probably should have. Clearly there were some people that were, uh, uh, you know, in their right mind that might have been able to go out. Gio only played 12 minutes. I mean, he hasn't done media or done fan stuff that I know of all year. There were some players that probably could have gone out. Baggio, who said is a, is a really good guy. I don't know how many fans wanted to see him, but very well-spoken, very friendly, appreciates the fans. I mean, I think they could have found some emissaries that would have gone out. No, it's not going to be, it's probably not going to be Zlatan. It's probably not going to, you know, maybe not Ola Kamara in his thousand-yard stare. But I think the Galaxy could have rounded somebody up. And the fact that the Dan Beckerman and Chris Klein went out, that probably was not a very pleasant experience for them. Right. Um, give the Galaxy some credit for that. But I, I don't know. 
I'm not going to criticize the players because of, of where they were, but I, I, I do think the team could have found a better solution to that, and I'm not sure that they were interested in finding the solution, frankly. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's disappointing because usually that's the one connection that you can sort of count on. Uh, in terms of the fans supporting the players, players supporting the fans, um, those, those diehard supporter groups, I mean, I have so much respect for all of them, what they do and how much passion and pride they put into, um, you know, supporting the LA Galaxy. That's a, that's a full-time job for some of those people. Uh, as somebody who has a fake full-time job uh, in doing a podcast and reporting on the LA Galaxy, I can tell you, it's draining sometimes. Sometimes you don't want to do this. Uh, some things happen and, you, and you're just like, you know, you have other stuff, you have family obligations, you have all this stuff. You, you just, I would love to see the Galaxy, you know, really get behind those guys and, and make up for this. I don't know how they make up for it, but but I feel like they could make up for it and they could do a good job. But um, you, you, yeah. you have a job? When did when yeah. did you start working? Bud? Yeah, I have congratulations. Like three, I have like three jobs. Uh, Man, I I never thought you were going to put that community college degree to work. Well, I, congratulations, Arizona State. Just about community college as we go. Uh, but yeah, so that's where we stand. Um, you know, bottom line is LA Galaxy didn't make the playoffs. Uh, had they won that game, I'm sure uh, all everybody would be a lot happier right now. I'm sure the players would have got gone around and signed a whole bunch of autographs, Kevin. Uh, I'm sure that there would have been a big hubbub about uh, announcing Player of the Year, Defender of the Year humanitarian of the year uh i I don't think it's any shock or surprise that zlatan ibrahimovic was named player of the year i don't think yeah and that release said that he's got another game this week that's that's what it does say Uh, let me read you exactly what the la galaxy put out on their website about zlatan ibrahimovic Uh, this was after the game yeah this is yeah this was released after the game in fact i asked about it and they said oh it's going up on the website shortly as i came back uh because i wanted to find out what the uh, results were kevin and i gave our our picks uh, and I'm not going to argue about either of these picks. Uh, one, because we got one right, but it was the easy one. Uh, and two, uh, I can certainly understand how people went that way. Uh, LA Galaxy Player of the Year was Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and it says Ibrahimovic, no yeah, no I, surprise, uh, yeah. 22 goals, uh, 10 assists for him uh, as well. Ibrahimovic earns Player of the Year honors. This is from the LA Galaxy website. Ibrahimovic earns Player of the Year honors after turning in one of the finest seasons ever played in the Galaxy uniform. Since arriving in late March, Ibrahimovic Ibrahimovic has tallied a remarkable 22 goals and 10 assists in 26 appearances. The numbers make for an MLS record 1.40 goals and assists averaged per 90 minutes, something we talked about, I think, on Thursday. Um, Ibrahimovic added seven game-winning goals on the year as he, and this is a direct quote, as he helped Galaxy to their 19th MLS playoffs appearance in 23 seasons. Somebody better call the league because that's not what they have. Hey, you know what? The, you know what that gets for for that for that particular statement. It gets one of these, Kevin. Panda and Pato in the morning. That sounds like something you and I would do. Um, putting that in there. So clearly, uh, clearly the LA Galaxy did not make the playoffs. Although it would have been nice for them to have made it, and uh, maybe in maybe in an alternate universe, Slaton did help the LA Galaxy to their nineteenth well, MLS playoffs. They were apparently. probably looking at those updated MLS standings. You know, the ones that are updated, like uh, depending on the results Live. as the games are yep. going on. They yep. probably looked at that. Yep, that's I hate. I was watching that that for most of the game too, uh, until the Galaxy started falling behind, and then I stopped updating that. Um, so anyway, so yeah, that's what it was put on there uh, for defender of the year Ashley Cole got it you and I both voted for Dave Romney Uh, I will tell you that uh, from what I've been able to poll of the media it was probably a pretty close vote Um, and so uh, I think Dave Romney has nothing to uh, hang his head about in terms of that finishing second to Ashley Cole dude got 10 assists Ashley Cole did a pretty good job although assists are an offensive number not a defensive number but hey what do I know 
Um, and then Humanitarian of the Year was announced as Dan Steris. So uh, two LA Galaxy defenders listed on the LA Galaxy Player Awards. If you go to LAGalaxy.com, as far as I know, they haven't fixed it yet. So you might as well catch it before they fix it. Uh, as he, as they say that Ibrahimovic got, got him to the playoffs. It also lists LA Galaxy 2 Player of the Year, Efren Alvarez, by the way. Uh, it also lists LA Galaxy 2 Defender of the Year, uh, John Roquejo. Uh, they had Humanitarian of the Year as Hugo Ariano. Uh, Hugo Ariano, of course, and Efren Alvarez are both LA Galaxy senior team players. They're loaned down to LA Galaxy 2 right now. Uh, Frank Lopez won the Golden Boot for LA Galaxy 2. They had Academy Player of the Year, Boys Academy and Girls Academy, and uh, LA Galaxy season ticket member of the year was Elizabeth Avila. I'm sure I said that right. Um, Maybe I didn't. But anyway, uh, congratulations, Elizabeth, as well. So those are your LA Galaxy uh, season awards as the 2018 season comes to dramatic and uh, unhappy close for most LA Galaxy fans on the same day that the Dodgers lose the World Series. Uh, so yeah, it, I mean, you know, there's there's no joy in Mudville. I don't know what to tell you, Kevin. There's there's there's, no, there's, there's a lot of sad. Rams. Everybody everyone else sucks. I mean, LAFC had a tie game and a man advantage and a chance to finish atop the conference table, and they blew that. The Rams came back to win. Dodgers lost. Galaxy lost. Didn't it's, the Kings win? I think the Kings won. Kings might have won. Uh, it, uh, you know, UCLA really struggling, not drawing any fans. Right. USC lost this weekend too, correct? To Arizona State. Go Devils. All right. See, there it was. Oh, that was they're my playing one. a community college team now. They were, and they lost to a community college team. That's what it is. So, uh, yeah, that's where it is. MLS playoffs, if you're interested in that, obviously kick off this week. Games on Wednesday and Thursday. Two games on Wednesday, two games on Thursday. Uh, and then it goes in the conference semifinals on Sunday, November 4th, and Sunday, November 11th. There's an international break before you get to the conference championship series on Sunday, November 25th, and Thursday. November 29th and of course MLS Cup hosted on Saturday December 8th uh, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time so 4.30 Pacific Time on Fox on Unamas on TSN and TVA Sports and all those other fun places so Saturday December 8th uh, set your clocks for that so you can watch a couple things about uh, my understanding and you correct me if I'm wrong is that nationally none of the decision day games were on national TV it was all ESPN plus or local broadcast Mm -hmm. which if that's true and that's the TV listings I saw it's kind of ridiculous that you have decision day when everything's being decided. And if you, uh, you know, if you don't have access to ESPN plus or, or you don't like watching TV on your computer, as I don't, by the way, and I know I'm a dinosaur, but shouldn't these games be on a national broadcast? Shouldn't there be at least a national broadcast of, uh, MLS if it's a serious league? I mean, I can't see if there are three baseball teams fighting for a playoff spot in the last game of the season that you can't watch any of that on national TV. So I don't know who, do you, How that happened? Do you want me to correct you? You you want me to correct you? No. Now? Yes. Yes. Please. Because okay. I'm so rarely wrong, and we yes. should note this moment in history. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, Sporting Kansas City LAFC uh, was on Fox Sports One. Was it okay? I yeah, was on so a plane. So, te- technically, so. that is a a a FS One is a nationally televised game. So I stand corrected. Don't tell anybody that I made a mistake. I won't. It's between it's my you, first one. It's between you, me, and three thousand of our best listeners. Okay, I apologize to Don Garber as well. Yeah, I, I, and, there there may have also been a a roundup show that started before and after. I don't know if that was on Fox Sports as well, but it was uh, it was certainly something there. Listen, what I, what I like is when they do those cut-ins, like when when you know, sort of like the red zone in the NFL where you. You can see you kind of watch, follow a certain number of games at a time, or they they alert you when there's a goal. And by the way, you talked about the international break during the playoffs. I'm told that there will probably not be a lot of MLS players called up 
to those international. I mean, it's all friendlies. I guess there's some there's some European games at Na- Nations League and stuff that are a little more important. But it's certainly with the U.S. national team and the national teams here in in the Concacaf region, not expecting a lot of players that are involved in the MLS playoffs to be called up out of respect to the MLS playoffs. Well, I mean, Kevin, so do, do do with that what you want, but it, it, yeah. I, I mean, I think that's a good decision by everybody involved. It sounds like they're working together, um, and that should make MLS teams more um, more eager to give up players earlier in the summer when the games really mean something, like next year with the Gold Cup. Maybe not not be you know it, it, there were so, uh, some issues with the Galaxy this year, players that weren't called up or weren't allowed to go to the national teams because they were needed here with the Galaxy. Um, hopefully something like this with the national teams actually working with MLS, that'll help alleviate some of that and and uh, no. national teams will get the players they need next year in the Gold Cup. No, not going to happen. It's not going to, th- that's going to be a cluster and it will continue to be, be just based on the calendar and the things that happen and it's just, it's bad. It's bad because it really draws MLS Cup out. You're going to, you're going to have that break and you'll be like, oh yeah, the playoffs are still going on. That's right. Uh, I forgot. So all the momentum sort of disappears. Oh and, no, and there's no away. doubt about yeah. that. That That is a, a bad thing. I, I really don't like that and teams changing and it changes the whole comp- the complexion of the playoffs because what if you're playing one of those two-leg playoffs and, well, I, the, the conference semifinals will be over, but if there's an injured player, all of a sudden he gets an extra week to recover. Yeah. A team that has more depth and should be rewarded for having the extra depth to overcome injuries, all of a sudden they're back on equal, equal footing with the team that got a week off because of the international break. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And it does, it does hurt the momentum. I mean, Casual fans, certainly uh, fans in the market are up for the games, but casual fans who might be following the playoffs, like you said, they completely forgot that they're even going on. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough. All right, uh, the LA Galaxy's 2018 regular season uh, now over. Uh, we're, we're officially in quote-unquote off-season mode here, Kevin. Uh, off-season mode on Corner of the Galaxy means that uh, we will have some regularly scheduled podcasts. I think you and I will still uh, still at least uh, hit Mondays here for, for the next coming weeks because I think we're going to get some news and some different things. And if yeah, we that's, don't... That's good because I need these paychecks. Yeah, man. big paychecks. You're getting a raise, too. Twice as much as before. That's uh, awesome. By the way, I'm told from the Galaxy that all the players, uh, the CBA, the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement, and mandates that they be off that week. I do not know if that's true, but the Galaxy said no one's talking this week because they are on their CBA mandated break. So Correct. you're probably not going to hear a lot of news, at least from the player side. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. I also inquired about talking to some people. I was told that the LA Galaxy are off. They'll be back next week. Um, so we'll see, uh, we'll see if that's the case and, and they do and do indeed come back. But for right now, uh, we'll keep you updated on the show schedules and, and how that goes. Uh, just head over to corner If you click on the live button, it shows our show schedule down there so you can keep an eye. We're not going away. We haven't, didn't go away last year. Uh, we did over a hundred shows last year. We're on pace to do over a hundred shows again this year. So, uh, you don't have to worry about that. We'll still be here and we'll be updating you with news. Uh, Thursday's live show as of right now is not going on just because there's nothing much more to talk about. Uh, unless for some reason I can find a special guest to come on or something like that, which doesn't seem like that's very likely. So again, just keep an eye on the show schedule. We'll keep you updated as we go into the LA Galaxy offseason. Tons of news is going to come through this offseason. You have player options, you know, picking up and declining, and we'll go through all those deadlines here uh, of those Maybe that are coming out. front office Maybe. Moves. Maybe. You, yeah. you have to expect that the Galaxy oh, yeah. are narrowing in on a coach already as well, Kevin. So, I mean, that news probably will come out as well here. I'm hoping, you know realistically i would expect in the next 30 days uh that you'd have to see a coach be announced in fact i'd hope it, if you're a galaxy fan you hope it's sooner than that 
Dave so, Sarkin. Dave Sarkin. Hey, I lo- I love Dave. I know other people would disagree and throw their hands up, but I'd take I'd take Dave in a heartbeat. Uh, no way he's Dave's coming crack. back. There is, of course, uh, another update, Kevin. There was a big empty hole on my shelf where a ridis- ridiculously ugly wooden spoon trophy used to live. That trophy has been returned uh, to Angel City Brigade. They have it. It will go to the Independent Supporters Council, um, which I found out the the winner of the wooden spoon this year, Kevin, is the San Jose Earthquakes. Uh, I found out that apparently the San Jose Earthquakes are not part of the Independent Supporters Council because they once stole the original... Uh, supporter shield from what I understand. Yes, the actual supporter shield. <laughs> this is crazy. I got this whole thing. I'm trying to nail down some of the details on this, but apparently San Jose stole the supporter shield and because they stole it, they can, they won't let them on the independent supporters council. So they'll likely not even ever take, uh, take possession of the wooden spoon because people said that maybe they won't get it back. Um, so where's it going to go? Col- it, Colorado next? No, no, it will. It is, they will, uh, San Jose does not get to escape the wrath of the wooden okay. spoon. So they still will have their name put on it. Um, and they'll probably send a picture to them and that type of thing. Uh, but it'll be held by, I, I'm imagining right now the independent supporters council. I'm told I will get an update and that meeting won't happen, I think until January. So everybody can, can, we'll look for updates on that and then told, but, uh, here as the wooden spoons official resting place for the last, uh, Almost 12 months. Uh, it is now gone. It was returned in one piece, and uh, I can say adios, so long, see you later. So there you go. Uh, a little update on the wooden spoon. All right. Could be coming back. Uh, maybe next year. No. No. Come on. The Galaxy have to get their stuff together this year. Right, Kevin? This is the year they get it together. Well, briefly, I know you're trying to get out of here, but briefly, you know, Galaxy fans have been spoiled. I mean, you look at most teams in MLS and um, with the exception of Seattle, who's, you know, made the playoffs every year. But most teams kind of go up and down. Look at Toronto. Set an MLS record for victories and points last season. This year, they don't even make the playoffs. That is kind of the way it normally goes in, in MLS. Uh, AEG has been so uh, such a good owner, and the team has been so good, and they were so lucky to have Bruce Arena for all those years. Galaxy fans have been a little bit spoiled, and I think perhaps, uh, and, and I certainly don't want to th- give any shade to the front office, but um, you, when you look at the front office, I think they felt like tweaks could, could get – an overhaul needs to happen. They need to to go back and and maybe start completely over again. And the teams, I think the front office has been putting that off. Whether they do that this year or, or just try to cosmetically fix things, when you look, uh, this will be the last year of the three DPs. Who's going to replace Alessandrini, Yona, and Gio? Now, Gio may not be hard to replace, but the point is there is not there are not people in the pipeline. It's going year to year right now, and I think perhaps uh, at some point, who who are defenders next year? Ashley Cole's gone. There's nobody there to back him up. Um, you know, uh, if Felcher is not healthy, there is no backup to him. These are the kind of questions that these guys need to be asking. Is Thomas, uh, is Arce Hilliard one of those guys? Perhaps, but you just get the impression or the idea that this is not, has not been well thought out. Uh, with Bruce Arena, there was always two or three guys ready to step up. I just do not see that with this roster in this academy right now. And I think the Galaxy need to address that as well as putting uh, a winning first team together that they need to start thinking two, three, and four years down the road. And I don't see that happening. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting conundrum. By the way, Hilliard Arce, not Arce Hilliard. Just Hilliard Arce. I'll, I got so, you. I got man. You. Yeah, I know. You're, you're accusing me of being wrong again. Again, that's twice in the same show. What do you know? Uh, no, it, it's interesting. Although I would say that the, the academy is is less of a problem for the LA Galaxy. I just... The, 
The academies really haven't developed that many players league-wide. I continue to think that people overvalue those, especially people who are uh, MLS mouthpieces. Um, continue to overvalue and, and and troll those academies. And and quite honestly, you know, somebody certainly put out, and, and Professor Steve Banks said, you know, with the LA Galaxy losing some top prospects to Germany uh, again, uh, we talked about it earlier this year, uh, that, you know, perhaps that's a good sign too, that the American academies, these team academies are finding homes for these guys afterwards. I mean, if you're a LA Galaxy Academy player, Kevin, and you know that two of your guys just went to the Bundesliga, um, that has to make you feel like maybe you can also go to the Bundesliga or you could go to MLS or you could, there's options for you. And so the development of those things probably is still in line with what you're probably trying to do. Now for the Galaxy as a senior team, you want to capture all of those people and make them senior team players. But we've seen the Galaxy get distracted by shiny objects and, and other things that sort of, I mean, if you're a striker or an offensive player on an LA Galaxy team right now, you have to think that you're never playing. They're always going to bring in guys like Zlatan Ibrahimovic or they're going to go out and spend $17 million on Dario Benedetto or, or something like that, you're never going to get the playing time. So going somewhere like Germany or these other leagues around the world, um, you know, is a good out for you as well. So I feel like, yes, the LA Galaxy Academy took some hits, especially with the dismissal of all those players this last year. Um, but I'll also say that without a clear director and, and a person in charge of the LA Galaxy Academy, or at least not somebody that they've made known, um, you know, the Galaxy are operating at a bit of a disadvantage right now. But of all those players that were released last year, Kevin, of all those Academy players that apparently, you know, that had come through the ranks, played on LA Galaxy 2, and then were ready for MLS, how many of those guys got significant minutes in Major League Soccer in 2018 on well, the other teams they went to? Well, you know, the, the one thing about the academy, though, the, the way Bruce Arena used it, and man, I hate to keep saying the way Bruce did it, but that's when the team was successful. So so there you go. Anyway, they would bring guys up for maybe a game or two. It might be a Jack McBean. It might be in, back in the day a Dave Romney or someone would come up and fill a, a gap in and then go back down. I just don't see the level of talent there to do that. And so I'm not saying that you're going to bring a guy in and he's going to be, uh, you know, a first 11 guy. But, you know, when you need to fill a gap from game to game with all these injuries the Galaxy had, they just didn't have anybody there. I believe the number of of homegrown minutes, and remember, the Galaxy had homegrown players like Giassi's artists for a long time. I believe the number of homegrown minutes they had this year was something like 286 minutes at the first team level. Yeah, might, that, have, might have been Bradford. Bradford Jameson, I think, yeah, was probably the that, most that's, of that. That's, that, that's that's indicative of where things are going. And, and again, it's not going to make or break. That's not going to get them in the playoffs or not get them in the playoffs. But it just shows that um, the team is a little bit top heavy. And uh, in closing, I just want to say when we talked about the fans and fan appreciation night, uh, and we we have uh, sung the praise of Ashley Cole on the show a lot. But he did send out a note to the fans thanking the fans and thanking the supporters groups. Um, he did. Uh, you know, that was uh, one that he apparently signed, at least on the email. It, yeah, it, it's has a, a it, it was a canned email and that. Type. Listen, I, I, but, but I, it, but is, it, 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 Ashley, it, Ashley approved this message. Yes, so, absolutely. Uh, I mean, he, he tried. OK, he tried. I know. I give him the credit for it. I just want you to. It wasn't like, you know, one, it, it is within character of Ashley Cole to do something like that. So it makes sense that he would do it. Also, as the captain, they did it. But I mean, you know, it was an email that was sent out pretty rapidly after the L.A. Galaxy's elimination from the playoffs. Um, I don't think I don't think Ash was sitting there at a computer typing it out himself. Um, no, but it, it doesn't mention the playoffs, so at least it had that going for it. There you go. That's how it goes. All right. Uh, anything else, Kevin? You good? 
No, this was a long show. It was, We had stuff to talk it about. It even in- included two mistakes by me, so it's a rare show. Keep this, folks. This is going to be a rare collector's Don't, item. Oh, wait. There is one more mistake that you made. Oh, no. I wanted to, I wanted to get to it. Thank you for reminding me, actually. Uh, our, <laughs> oh, our, our, our wonder listener, Miss Pam uh, Garcia, uh, went back and listened to the March 31st Miracle on March 31st podcast that we had there, uh, where we, uh, we sit there and we wax poetically about uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic and how many goals he could possibly score. And oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know this one. Go ahead. Yeah, and and so Pam said, uh, Pam, Pam, let me know that uh, there was one Mr. Kevin Baxter on there who said that there would no way that Zlatan would score 21 goals this season. And you were correct, I guess, up I to a certain correct. point. I was correct. He got 22. He got 22. Um, yeah, I, I, I totally missed the, the boat on the Zlatan thing. <laughs> I told Chris Klein when he was on the verge of signing him that I thought Zlatan would be a good 12th man off the bench. That, yep. And Chris Klein laughed in my face and said, you don't bring Zlatan over to sit on the bench. He's right. Give Chris Klein all the credit in the world for that. I had no idea that Zlatan would be this effective because I really doubted the injury. I mean, he wasn't yeah. playing at, at Manchester United when they were struggling. Um, he was fantastic find. And, you know, I give Jovan and Chris Klein all the credit in the world for that. I totally missed the boat on him. Had no idea he would be this good. And I enjoyed watching it. I hope I, he comes back, but I don't think he will. Don't worry. I called him a super sub, and I once called a uh, former LA Galaxy player, Charlie Rugg, uh, definitely going to be rookie of the year. So it, it, it happens. It ha- Mistakes are made, and they're recorded for all of prosperity for everybody to hear. So make sure you head on over to the Corner of the Galaxy. So who uh, was that that listened to that show? Uh, Pam. Pam. Miss Pam Garcia. Uh, she went back and listened to the show. She uh, did. She did. Thank she, you, Pam, but you need to get a life. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. All right. Uh, anything else? No, we're good. We're good this time right yes, yes okay. We're good. okay all right here we see go at, see you at the playoff game there we go that's right the Zlatan playoff game if you're looking for mr kevin baxter on twitter place head on head on over to at k baxter 11 latimes.com where you can find all of the soccer coverage uh we'll be covering i imagine the rest of the mls playoffs with lafc there uh we'll be covering the u.s men's national team as well uh as they uh they get ready for their next international friendlies so please check that out. If you're looking for me on Twitter at Jay Guessman and of course at Galaxy Podcast is of course our, our show Twitter and head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com for all of our shows, all of our news. Uh, that great quote sheet is up there as well. So check that out and we'll continue to update that throughout the off season. I know it's not the way you wanted it to end Galaxy fans, but uh, we here at Corner of the Galaxy certainly had a good time uh, bringing you all of the LA Galaxy news. Again, scheduled shows and stuff will be sort of be updated on our live show page. So Corner of the Galaxy, click on the live show. Uh, you'll be able to find it right there, and we'll uh, keep you updated on when we have shows and when we don't have shows. All right, that does it for Mr. Kevin Baxter. I'm Josh Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.